This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even more political... <laughs> <laughs> Hello my friends, it's me Louise Makshari back with another episode of Catch Up with Louise Makshari but then you know that because you've put this on by choice. Um, anyway, this is the podcast where I try and catch you up in the week. If you haven't been paying attention, don't worry about it. Absolutely no judgment around here ever about anything um, unless you have like some kind of racist or homophobic opinion um but no certainly no judgment in terms of people not paying attention to the news or what's going on in the world around them we all have busy lives my friends I've had pretty quiet week I think since we last spoke I haven't really been doing a whole lot I have been enjoying the weather despite the overarching sense of impending doom regarding the climate if you can just get past that it is quite nice at the moment um to see the sunshine every day I have a few bits of things that I've been meaning to tell you for the last couple of weeks and I kept forgetting when I was recording these sets for the podcast. And the first is in response to the wonderful Pamela Uba, who I had on a couple of weeks ago. Several of you got in touch with me, including one of my very good friends, Justine, to tell me about a program called Let's Match Mums. Basically, the premise is they will match people with mothers who are living in direct provision. The idea is that mothers are matched based on kind of the age of their children um, and it means that you can share stuff, pass along things from your baby that you're not using anymore or your kids that you're not using anymore to someone in direct provision who may need them. Um, you can also just generally support them and help them out. Um, and aside from the fact that, you know, they match people, they also fundraise generally in order to um, keep things going, basically. Uh, so they have a Patreon. So if that sounds like a program that you like to support maybe you don't have a baby maybe you your kids are too old maybe you're never planning on having a baby that's absolutely fine but you'd still quite like to support women in direct provision and people in direct provision then this might be a good cause to make a donation to you can support them on patreon and um, you can also check out all the information on letsmatchmums.com and um, it sounds like an absolutely brilliant program and my friend as i said justine is is in it herself at the moment um she is matched with a mother and she is absolutely loving it so there you go that's a good tangible way that you can support people people in direct provision if that's something that you'd like to do and then the other thing that I keep forgetting to tell you is that I'm going to be doing a live podcast show and um, 
live shows are something that I've always wanted to do and it's one of the things that always appealed to me about doing a podcast was that it was something that you could do live and kind of make a show out of and take on the road even potentially and I'm going to be dipping my toe tentatively into that scene as part of Dublin Fringe Festival absolutely honored to have been asked to be part of it and it's going to be fun I think I'm going to have music from Circa Richardson which I'm absolutely delighted about I'm such a huge fan of Circa's she's got a new album coming out um in September and I've heard it it is fantastic so I'm really delighted that she's agreed to be a part of this I'm also going to be joined by some familiar voices from the podcast and um, we're just going to generally have a bit of crack hopefully we'll provoke some thoughts I feel like it's on a Sunday night it's on September 18th it's on at 8 30 I feel like it'd be a really nice way to close out your weekend you know how sometimes it's nice to have something to look forward to on a Sunday evening and because it's at 8 30 you might even be able to sneak out after your kid's bedtime if that's a factor in your life or go out for dinner with your pals beforehand if your children are not um part of your uh your rotation and schedule and life and if you actually get to make decisions for yourself without considering other people um if you want to get tickets tickets are via fringefest.com um i'll stick a link in the show notes but i would love to see you there i really i'm so excited about i mean i'm excited about doing it i'm excited about the vibe generally but i'm also so excited about having a room full of people like this will be my first time seeing you guys and meeting you guys um and I feel like I might be emotional I don't know so come see me be a total mess potentially um who knows how it's gonna go no I think it's gonna be good fun so as I said tickets are available now it's 8 30 on September 18th and you can get them at fringefest.com now though let's get on with the show it's time to catch up on the week's news Eva Moore, political correspondent with the Sunday Times Ireland. Hello and Good welcome back morning. to the podcast. Speaking from Louise McSharry's humble abode. Yeah, what a delight. Yeah. Everybody came to me today. I'm so lucky. Um, so we've got loads to get through, Eva. As always, there's loads of news, news in about the place. And actually, we've got a couple of um, couple of good stories yeah. here, which is good. But we'll start with, well, I suppose this is a good news story. Um, there's lots of chat starting about the budget and what's going to happen in the budget. And Leah Varadkar has said that there are going to be substantial income tax reductions this is what we call in journalism kite flying so (laughs) the budget is not till october but they start kite flying um quicker and quicker now it seems like budget talk starts in like july so we're going to see a lot of this in the next couple of weeks so gird your loins people Mm -hmm. but Leo Varegger, the leader of Fine Gael and the Tanisha, was out yesterday and said that there is an option for a new 30% income tax band um, that the government might bring in. There was a number of tax strategy group papers that were given to government and published, but no decision has been made. They're basically options for what the government can do, because as we know, we're in a cost of living crisis and something has to give. So this third income tax could see up to a million taxpayers take home an extra 500 euro or a thousand euro per year so a middle income tax would be people now there are two options they could do it for people earning between 36,800 and 41,800 which would cost the government around 525 million a year or they could do it between 36,800 and 46,800 which would cost the government nearly a billion euro mm. i would point out that this is very much a Fine Gael friendly policy Fine Gael have hitched their wagon to being the party of the squeezed middle mm. so they're saying people who make around thirty six thousand, 
that would be the squeezed middle up to 46 thousand i think Vini gale personally will push for the 46 mm. um you know a higher income mm-hmm. bracket very more attractive to Fine Gael voters mm-hmm. traditionally anyway um and you know the opposition have been already and saying this is just for the middle mm. you know that people are making less than 36 thousand euro a year there's a lot of them yeah and it does nothing for for them yeah um but because of inflation this is i think it's likely that this is going to happen because remember the minister for finance is a finial minister pascal donahue mm-hmm. and he's as now examining whether it could be introduced um so there is a lot of plans there's a lot of kite flying we know we'll see stuff in childcare subsidies are going to be increased we've talked about that before Woo-hoo. but this is this is good news if you make over thirty six thousand your year and it will not be just one thing you know the budget will have to give a lot more and they were talking about yesterday they said you know we'll see tax breaks there'll be breaks for renters breaks for landlords childcare. Mm. I, I think this is one budget where usually the giveaway budget is the year before an election mm. but i think this might be a bit of a giveaway budget only because we're in a cost of living crisis and the government is quite unpopular and the government parties are quite unpopular. Yeah, I mean, they have to. Okay, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about this stuff again loads and loads. Uh, I Also, to acknowledge the fact that there was a daft report out this week just in the context of the cost of living that um, rent increases have hit a new high. And like every time they say this, I'm like, yeah, but every month it's a new high. Can it go any higher? But this is really like Dublin rent year on year, the average rent is up 12.7%. Yeah, nowhere has gone untouched. You know, Limerick, Waterford, Galway recorded a Around record high jump. percent Yeah, like That's huge. So the average market rent across Ireland between April and June is one thousand six hundred euro, mm. a three point three increase, and more than double the low of seven hundred and sixty five per month in twenty eleven. I can't even imagine someone paying seven six five well, for their rent. My husband and I rented an apartment on Capel Street, a beautiful one bedroom apartment. Um, it would have been about eight or nine years ago. So yeah, let's say 10 years ago in, in 2012. Mm-hmm. And we paid 950 euro a month for that apartment. There's just no way just now. It's crazy. Louise, guess how many homes are already available available to rent in the entire country? Oh my God, I mean, I have no idea. It's going to be bad though. Well, let's say there's like 5 million people in the country. How many houses do you think there are to rent? Oh, I'm really bad at these questions. I'm bad at numbers. I don't know, a thousand? 716. Oh, God. So just for, in layman's terms, it's the lack of rental accommodation that is pushing the prices up because when you're a landlord or a big investor or whoever Mm -hmm. owns these apartments and houses, you can charge way more money because, you know, I was just just anecdotally, I was talking to a friend last week who's moving out of a one-bedroom flat um, on the North Circular Road and a thousand people contacted his landlord just to see this flat when he was leaving <sighs> one one bedroom flat on the north circular road oh in dublin God. okay let's move on um we haven't talked about covid in a while um but there <laughs> we're back and um apparently well not apparently second boosters are going to be available are available now to pregnant people and people over 60 yeah, people aged 60 and over were invited to come forward for their next COVID booster vaccine. It feels like so long ago since we had um, vaccines. But yeah, so from yesterday, people over 60 and pregnant people can make an appointment through the HSE and they'll begin next Monday 
Dr. Calm Henry, again, a name we have not heard in a long time, um, said it was just ongoing protection from serious illness, increase your immunity against infection from COVID-19, which we know tends to reduce after a period of months following your last vaccine. You know, we had a scare a couple of, like last month, a month before, it mm. seemed everyone yeah. had COVID again. And I think, you know, we are heading into winter now. We know the climate emergency, it's probably going to be a colder winter. Mm. And that, along with the flu, we're expecting because we're all vaccinated and we were all in lockdown for so long, our immunity, even to the flu, is waning. Mm. So I think it's more offense than defense at this stage. They're trying to ensure that we don't have as a bad winter. Mm. And I think, especially with people, you know, over 60, it is worth, why do we know after six months your immunity wanes? Mm. So um, he said as well that as fear passes and people sense the pandemic is no longer a threat, he's urging people to get boosted ahead of winter. Yeah. I mean, it so, seems like that's just going to be our lives for a while anyway. Yeah. Like, we kind of always knew after yeah. the first year that this would become something like a flu jab. Yeah. Uh, especially for older people and pregnant people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, this is for me the best news of the week um, because apparently we're going to be able to leave WhatsApp groups without it sending everyone else yes. in the group a notification. Sometimes I enjoy the drama. I'm not going to lie when someone very dramatically... I'm in a lot of, you know, WhatsApp groups full of um, women and bitchy men. So someone dramatically leaving is great. Mm-hmm. But um, WhatsApp are bringing in a suite of new measures um, that a lot of them are great. So we, we can really send, you know, like view once... Mm-hmm. messages um but now whatsapp will borrow this feature from snapchat and it'll, it can block screenshots mm. oh my god don't like this the mm. amount of drama that's i know <laughs> <laughs> and yeah block screenshots and they'll also be able as we talked about you'll be able to leave so you know that we know it says louise mcshire has left mm. you can just silently leave and this is my favorite one because this is my personal bugbear with WhatsApp is that the third update will let users limit who can see when they're online, mm. um, letting them expose that sensitive information to friends and family without needing to inform the world when they're checking their phones. Because I took the last scene off, but then was really annoyed when I found out people could still see I was online. Because oh, the whole point of taking yeah. the last scene off is that I don't want people to know I was ignoring them. Yeah, yeah. So this is a good thing. Um, Mark Zuckerberg Man's is everywhere. The CEO of WhatsApp, uh, parent company Meta, said that we'll keep building new ways to protect your messages and keep them as private and secure as face-to-face conversations. I think we'll see a lot of this with apps, you know, like what, like Instagram were accused of trying to be TikTok and mm-hmm. now WhatsApp are taking lead from Snapchat because we know that especially like the kids use Snapchat um, to talk to one another because mm. the features are better there, a lot more privacy, that sort mm. of stuff. But like, yeah, I think this is a good thing. Oh, it's a great yeah. thing. I saw lots of parents um, celebrating. Oh, really? <laughs> this, this week. Um, now, I personally have no issue with the the school WhatsApp groups that I'm in. But um, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> no, they're, I mean they're they're actually pretty good. But I've heard horror stories about the ones that like are nonstop memes and nonstop, you know, whatever chats, buy and sell groups they become, and things like that. Mm. And you can't be, you know, so and so's mom who doesn't want to talk to the other parents this is really not a circle i run on so i'm learning a lot yeah, it's, it's all ahead of you potentially if you choose to <laughs> make that decision um okay this was an interesting one i thought uh, moby who are a bike sharing app and mm-hmm. um, this week had to change their naming strategy for bikes after a kind of linguistic snafu so originally i felt a bit sorry for this company because i was like oh maybe they're a foreign company and they don't understand yeah but they're not 
They're Irish. So Moby Bikes is an Irish company and they are providing push bikes and delivery bikes across UK, Ireland and America. If you're in Dublin, you've probably seen them. They're the neon yellow ones. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they use human or names to organize their flights. So Maeve, Bridget, Liam. Um, and then, but they also used to use planet and country names and Earth and whatever else. Um, but when you have it on the app, so obviously to unlock the bike, you need to use the app and they're notified of the name of the bike and, you know, the duration of their travel. If you've ever used one of those electric scooters when you're on holidays, it's the same mm. sort of thing. However, the use of um, the verb to ride in an Irish context followed by a female name sparked complaints among users because the bike was then saying, you know, you are now riding Maeve. Yeah. You are now riding Louise. You're now riding Aoife. Lucky guys. Um, and there was a number of complaints. The spokesman, this is quite funny. The spokesman um, said, you know, it's been adopted by bike sharing companies across Europe and it's to facilitate the user experience. And he compared it to the Irish Navy has vessels named Kira, Roisin and Neve. And Erlangas names their planes after women. Could we just stop naming inanimate objects after women? It's like <laughs> when people call a boat or a car she. I'm mm. like, can you not? Well, anyway. what boats, like, it's like a cultural thing, I think. Like, it's always been that boats are women. Maybe that needs to be examined. But, like, say, with like, cars. You could argue anything as a cultural yeah. thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so because riding is definitely, you know, an Irish colloquialism, um, they have decided that they are going to have to um, change them. So they said, in light of the controversy, we decided that the 350 new pedal bikes in Dublin City are better off being labelled as inanimate objects and the names were reverted to numbers. Mm. I thought I thought this this part of his statement was interesting. Unfortunately, a sexualized or slang interpretation of to ride was immediately seized upon and caused outrage on Twitter. There's a kind of tone there, there isn't is. there? Yeah. Like it's a manufactured annoyance. Yeah. I'm sorry you feel that way, vibes. Like I have to say, I, I saw I think the tweet that kicked this off. See, I didn't. Yeah. And when I, it, the person basically was saying, um, oh, for God's sake, like it's, it's so hard to get a license to kind of do bike sharing in Dublin and these cowboys got it and this is what they're doing. And like the person was really annoyed and like, mm. oh, they think they're really funny, blah, blah, mm. blah. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can bring myself to get annoyed about this, to be no. honest. But, I, you know, I suppose as part of a larger culture that maybe is not so respectful to women, I can see why people might take issue with it. Yeah, I mean, listen, they did the right thing. They changed it. Mm. It's just better off to have a quiet life. Isn't this it? is it, yeah. Mm. Um, and then before I let you go, no, this is sad. we're going to talk is... about sport again. <laughs> the, honestly, this is the worst news all week. Serena, it actually is really Serena bad. Williams, the greatest of all time who, you know, shot to fame as a 17-year-old um, from Compton. She holds the Open Era record of 23 Grand Slam titles. She's got four Olympic medals. They have made a film about her life. She has announced that she is leaving tennis. She said that it makes her incredibly sad. Um, if anyone's read it, it's a personal essay in Vogue magazine where she talks about... She's in the car with her young daughter, Olivia. Olympia, sorry. And as if she were called her child, Olivia. <laughs> and um, they asked her, what do you want to be when you grow up? She was playing a wee game with mm. an app and she said, I want to be a big sister. 
And she says that the kid says this all the time that she wants to be a big sister. And she said, you know, if that is the case, she's 41. Mm. And she's now uh, going to have to leave tennis. She very famously played the Australian Open in 2017 when she was two months pregnant with Olympia Proven. I believe that women can do Mm. anything. She said she doesn't like the word retirement. She doesn't feel like it's a modern word. She said that, you know, this is more of an evolution. She's evolving away from tennis towards things that are more important to me. I actually laughed out loud at this next bit where she said, I quietly started at Serena Ventures, a venture capital firm, because that's what most of us do. Just quietly. <laughs> quietly start Only venture quietly capital. start a venture capital firm. Um, she, her tech bro, very wealthy husband, Alexis, she said um, that he has never broached it. You know, it's like a taboo subject in their house about retirement. She said she spoke a lot about it with her therapist. Um, and she said that she's spoken to other female tennis players that mm. who retired and have spoken of their happiness, you know, it's because mm. it's a grueling lifestyle. You know, she's yeah. constantly watching what she eats and exercises. Um, but this is it. She said that her entire life, um, there's a picture of her pushing Venus, Venus pushing me on a stroller on a tennis court. And I couldn't have been more than 18 months. Mm. So this is her entire life. And now she is leaving tennis mm. for good. And she said, I should have had 30 plus Grand Slams. I think it's a very woman thing. <laughs> like 23 Grand Slams isn't enough. I should have yeah. had 30 Grand Slams. She um, had a very traumatic birth with her first daughter. Yeah. She's talked about that before. And she said, you know, I've had an extraordinary life. I'm an incredibly hands-on mother. Um, in five years, she's only spent one 24-hour period away from her daughter. Um, and now this is... This is it. She's hanging up her racket. It is just the frustration of, you know, the biological realities of being, you know, a mm-hmm. woman or, you know, in most cases, it's women who have to who are, are challenged by these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you really feel for her. Uh, yeah. Really, really feel for her. But she has been incredible. She's a trailblazer. And even how she dealt with the media and you know it's very clear if you watch any that documentary about serena mm. the racism mm-hmm. that they suffered as two black teenagers from compton when they were starting out mm. in tennis and even the racism that she's had about her body type you know mm-hmm. most tennis players that we are used to are these are very petite. thin very yeah. blonde very tall women you know serena's belt and yeah. like she but she always puts that down that that's how why she's so good at tennis yeah exactly because she's powerful because she's so yeah. powerful so I'm really, really sad, but yeah. she is the greatest of all time. And I mm-hmm. think even in the aftermath of her publishing this, we've seen from everyone, from tennis players to Tiger Woods to everyone coming out and saying she, there is no one like her. There'll never be anyone like her. She's yeah. unbelievable. Fair play, Serena. Okay, even more political correspondent at the Sunday Times Thank Ireland. You. Thank you so much. Erica Cody is a singer, a songwriter, a producer, a TV presenter, a dancer now. She's models. There's very little that Erica Cody can't do. Um, And a couple of years ago, she became one of the leading voices in the Black Lives Matter movement in Ireland. Um, She is a total gem, and I was delighted to have the chance to catch up with her, hear about her new single, hear about her new single, and uh, just find out what the last couple of years have been like, because they've been pretty insane. Enjoy. Erica Cody, 
Louise McSherry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me this week. Um, I suppose there might be, now they're few and far between at this stage, I'd say, yeah. but there might be some people who aren't familiar with you and oh, what you do. So would you maybe introduce yourself for those people? Of course. So I'm Erica Cody. I'm a singer-songwriter, sometimes producer. And yeah, now it's kind of notched my belt as I've been dabbling in TV presenting as well. So it's been a busy year. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. been a wild couple of years for you. Yeah. Because, I mean, we'll go back to a couple of years ago, but like mm-hmm. let's start with the recent um, yeah. brilliant stuff that's been going on in your life. So first of all, you did Dancing with the Stars. I did. How was that? Insane. The best experience of my life. Like, I want to do it all again. It, and what about it? Like, was it being part of a production like that or was it doing the actual dancing or... It was pretty much all of it. Like, I'm just that kind of gal that I, whatever I'm doing, I love to give it 110%. And for me, this was an opportunity for me to do something that I really love, which is dance. And I always wanted to, like, try and get good at dancing because it's yeah. very different from dancing in a nightclub and on tables to then dancing yeah. on a ballroom floor and having that kind of um, it's really strict you know yeah. so for me I always love a regime I love to have a uh, a schedule of right. what I'm doing because you know being freelance and like being a singer and working on your own time yeah, you can kind of put things off a little bit so to have something like that where I know that I'm going to get something out of it in the end which is growth um, and I'll come out you know with a new skill for me that was the main thing um, and I just kind of took it week by week if I'm being totally honest it yeah. wasn't one of those things that I did um, where I was like I went in all guns blazing and I was like I'm in it to win it it was more so like oh I'm in it because I'm getting this amazing experience and Mm. I know people say that all the time they're like oh that's so cliche but no I genuinely was I really wanted to learn how to dance and I made amazing friends along the way and I've memories to like last me a lifetime you know I watch the videos back and I'm like how did I do that for 18 weeks it's bizarre yeah and so like is it what's it like uh, I always wonder what's it like after you do something like that when it's over because like you made it to the final so you did the full run of it so how long is that like I mean when you're including prep time yeah what is that like 12 weeks or something well it was 18 weeks in total because right. we did a couple of weeks beforehand and um, before we actually started started uh, the production so it was a lot That's of 12 a long time it's a long time That's and four you months have to, of your life you have to like, put everything on hold I had to put yeah. like basically my career on hold for like four or five months yeah um, I, I didn't have time to really write or anything like that I'd come home and I'd be completely exhausted I'd like be in a bath of Epsom salts before I know I'm back in the car and like heading to the studio yeah. Um, so yeah it took up a lot of time but I was just like do you know what I have to just give up my all because it's one of those experiences that can be over in a split second yeah. you know so I was like to make it to the end for me anyway was that was better than a trophy because I got to do all the dances that I wanted to but do but then how do you go back to normal life like I feel like that's yeah. like you're on a kind of a pretty hectic yeah, treadmill yeah. there and then you quite abruptly get and then off it just it. stops um yeah, it was very weird. I remember I woke up. So we obviously had the the rap party on the Sunday, and then I woke up on the Monday. Obviously, I was a little bit fragile that mm-hmm. day. So I kind of t- <laughs> there wasn't you know any partying had. It was no. a terrible crack. Um, just joking, but. I remember waking up on the Tuesday then and I was like oh no it's quarter to twelve I meant to be in the studio and then I was like oh I'm not supposed to be in the studio because it's over Yeah. and it's just like that your life just I don't know you just go from 100 to zero yeah um so for me it was just kind of getting i love being busy Mm -hmm. so i just had to kind of get in the mindset of okay i need to start reaching out to my producers again i need to start doing things again and writing and doing all that kind of stuff and slowly but surely we got there yeah and yeah i think i kind of got to wean myself off the experience because obviously unfortunately for Dennis the situation in Ukraine um, was yeah, pretty bad that was so he wild. couldn't go home yeah, yeah. so your partner is from Ukraine yes and 
everything was kicking off there. I mean, that mm-hmm. sounds like a flippant expression to use, but you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Things had had really gotten bad there. Really bad. And he was here. Yeah. And his family was there. Yeah. How was that? I mean, you obviously were right there beside him through yeah. it. It's, this is the thing. Like, never mind being on a show where you're literally spending all of this time with this brand new person that you literally just have to get to know so quickly Mm. and you grow so close you really do like honestly Dennis is one of like my really good friends like we always keep in touch I Mm. love to you know know that he's okay yeah Um, so to kind of add that into the mix as well I I couldn't really wrap my head around how it must have been for him because like even on me I was like oh oh my god I just I just want him to be okay Mm. Um, so to know he couldn't go back home you know his mom and his auntie were still over there um yeah, it was it, it was tumultuous for him. You know, we yeah. really went on a roller coaster of emotions. He, well, he definitely did, and then we did together because I just kind of wanted to keep his spirits high. Because at least I knew that he could come to the studio and have a couple of hours or whatever yeah. where he could have a little bit of peace, I suppose. Yeah. Because um, yeah. we had a job to do. But I said to him, I said, look, if you have to go home or anything like that, like I'll fully support you. Like it's you. Like, I don't want to hold you back from, you know, life. Um, so that was a that was a big challenge but you know he was like look you haven't given up on me I haven't get, I, I won't be giving up on you and yeah. he said well look I can't go home my mom doesn't want me to come home because yeah. the minute I'm off the plane I'm straight into the army and you know Jeez. I've just spent my whole life being a dancer like I don't know yeah. how to it, that would have been a rough transition yeah, yeah. It's, it's really mad to kind of wrap your head around that that's even happening in this day and age so and um, how is he now are his family still there they're still there they're safe thank god they're in like the countryside in Odessa Um so I check in with him, you know, every yeah. so often. Well, most days, to yeah. be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just such a, a shared experience. And I think because of the situation um, in Ukraine, he couldn't go home for a while. So when it came to actually going back to normal life, yeah. um, I was pretty much kind of all he had here. And we were the best of friends. And, you know, we'd meet up, we'd go for lunch. He was here for a couple of extra weeks. So yeah. it's like I was nearly able to wean myself yeah. off the experience. But it was also, it was really bittersweet because I was like, he can't go home. Yeah. Um, so you just, I wanted to just kind of just be that support person him, yeah. for him and support him in any way that I could and you know I think anybody who watched the show would be able to tell that we had a genuine really strong friendship yeah. and I feel like really it would be really hard it would be really hard if you didn't like the person yeah. was there anyone I don't want names yeah. but was there anyone who really didn't like their partner do you know what it wasn't that anyone didn't like their partner it's just you're thrown into this really intense situation yeah. really quickly so you have your moments like we had our moments as well don't get me yeah. wrong like it wasn't all sunshine you know, and lollipops sunshine yeah. flowers you know <laughs> we did have our our weeks yeah. where because I'm very I, I want to run before I can walk so yeah, for yeah. me patience was a huge thing and patience for him is a huge thing you know yeah. we're both Leos we're very two very strong personalities <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we found our feet you know it, yeah. took, it took a while but we found our feet absolutely yeah. and it's like I wouldn't um, I wouldn't change anything about it to be honest yeah. for the world it's yeah. Good. memories for a lifetime well you, I mean I, I can only assume that that experience kind of led into your most recent TV experience yes, which is the main stage yeah. where you were presenting a music show with mm. Danny O'Reilly from the yeah. Coronas I know um, yeah I remember when you told me like <laughs> you were so excited and I was so excited for you but like yeah. that's real like throwing in at the deep end big time um, and I remember getting the call at the time and I was why would they want to give me a show? Like, I'm not a presenter. I don't know. That's not my world. Like, I'm just used to making music and being accessible that way, I suppose. And then I think after doing Dancing with the Stars and, you know, being okay with other people's opinions. Yeah. Um, 
I've, I've done a lot of work on myself over the last like two years to the point I feel like I've built a, a really thick spine. Yeah. So um, coming off the back of that and then going into the main stage, I was like, I'd be a fool not to take this. And oh, I built course. this whole show around, you know, the two of us. So it was like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Well, I, and have, this, I have this rule that like I'm, I don't allow myself to say no to opportunities if the reason is fear. There so like go. exactly I'm like you can say no if you don't want to do something or yeah. if you have a gut feeling that's like no this isn't for you or whatever those are yeah. all valid reasons but if yeah. it's just that you're scared that's not a good enough reason exactly and I had that feeling that's so funny you said that because I had that feeling when it came to getting approached to do Dancing with the Stars and my agent was like oh she was like I think this would be amazing for you you know it's just going to add to your, your own career Yeah, you can incorporate that into your music and blah 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 and I was like, but I'm just really afraid of what people will think of me. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and I think especially when you're an empathetic person, you just want to always do the right thing. And that yeah. can kind of add some sort of, like, some silly amount of pressure yeah. that's, like, unwarranted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I really thought about it, I was like, why would I ever... I, I let people's opinions dictate my happiness for so long, for, like, mm-hmm. the guts of over a year, to the point that I was like... When this came around, I was like, why would I ever let somebody else dictate my happiness? Like, these opportunities are coming my way for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I know I'll look back in like 10 years time and I'll be like, why did I ever, yeah. you know, get to that place? So when it came to the main stage and stuff as well, I was like, it's a no brainer. It's not every day, you know, Orty comes knocking on the door and they're like, oh, we have a TV show for you and Danny yeah. O'Reilly and we'd love you to do it. You know, and a TV show that was music About and you got music. to perform on it. Exactly. And, you know, it seemed like a yeah. dream. Exactly. Because I think, you know, being an independent musician, especially, I feel like you have to work twice as hard to, yeah. to get your name out there, first of all, but to also build your brand and like who you are to sell yourself and your music. So you're kind of you're limited in how you make yourself accessible Mm -hmm. so that was my only concern when I went into TV I was like oh my god like so many people are going to want to know probably so much more about me now it's not just going to be about my music Um, but then when I really thought about it I was like but I still control my own narrative and my story so when the main stage came around it wasn't about me and Danny it was about us putting amazing Irish music new upcoming Irish acts and old established acts as well Um. So it was more it was more of a full circle moment because I was like, I've been there. I've kn- I know yeah. what it's like to want to, you know, be on TV and have mm-hmm. your music heard. And so to be able to be in a position where I'm I, I'm part of that process and, yeah. and giving it that platform yeah. is a huge honor. Yeah. And I couldn't. I, people are like, oh, were you thrown in the deep end? And I was like, not really. No, because it was in my world. It's it was what in your I know. Yeah. Exactly. So we were able to we bounced off each other. Thank God we we're like the best of friends now, me and Danny. Um, yeah. So it, it all just clicked. It really yeah. just worked. And it's kind of it's lit a new fire under my belly, you know. It's been really cool to see you um, have these successes because, as you said, like, you know, the last couple of years have yeah. been pretty tumultuous. Yeah. And you were, I think, one of the leading voices in Ireland around the Black Lives Matter Thank movement. Yeah. And um, you really, I think you were really courageous in the way that you spoke out. Well, thank you. Because at the time you were at the receiving end of, you know, yeah. a, a lot of abuse. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest, yeah. racist abuse and mm-hmm. misogynistic abuse and yeah. all kinds of abuse. Um, did you ever want to stop talking? No. Really? No. And like, yes and no, I suppose, because by nature, I'm a talker. Yeah. You know, I think I do have a little bit of the gift of the gab. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just always grew up in a house where I grew up around really strong women. You know, everyone in my family is pretty much self-employed. They've all like ran their own businesses. My mom had battled cancer. Like I'd kind of seen 
Um, I, I've been quite empowered, I think, from a really young age, yeah. but un- unknown to me that that was actually what I was, you know, taking in. So I was just kind of always raised to do the right thing. Yeah. So to not do the right thing to me is really alien. So yeah. when I see you know certain things going on I'm like but why is this even happening like people need to know about this or whatever Um, and I think especially with the Black Lives Matters movement it was I didn't realise it was gonna take such a toll um, along with a lot of other things but it was it was more so about okay people are finally listening to black trauma Mm-hmm. Um, something that hasn't been taken seriously for so many years, mm-hmm. and like, and I'm talking like hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years, to the point it's like, okay, there's finally a shift in society. Like you have to kind of strike while the iron's hot, especially mm-hmm. when people want to learn. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because not only are you doing it off, you know, your own back and having to kind of bring up and relive a lot of trauma yeah. you would have went through. Um, as a child and like the thing is is the black experience is so broad everybody's experience is completely different yeah. it's on a spectrum so um, it, it took its toll but it was again I was just like people need to know yeah, you know and if I'm the person who's most accessible well I, I feel like I was at the time for Irish media like my phone pretty much didn't stop for yeah. weeks um, I don't know how I automatically just kind of accidentally became this spokesperson for such a huge movement that is global. Well, um, I think you were in a particular position as well because obviously your dad is American exactly, yeah. and you have a whole side of your family who were in America yeah, living yeah. through the Black Lives Matter movement in America, which yeah. obviously is where the heart of it is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, it, but it obviously did lead to our own conversations in Ireland about racism oh, and the experience of being not a white person in Ireland. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, sorry. I think no, I got crossed there. Um, it was it was weird because I remember after George Floyd died, the heaviness that I had felt was like I never felt anything like it before. I felt like I was looking at my dad or my little brother or my 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 uncles or you know any of my family members in the states, and it was it was very raw. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, I saw from a completely different lens for the first time, and I think that's because we've been, we've become so desensitized yeah. from seeing black people being shot and killed in the streets, mm. um, and. I was just like, no, this, this this just isn't right. Like, I don't like that we've become desensitized yeah. to this kind of behavior. It's it's just insanity. So for me, I had like this, I suppose I had a sense of urgency, but I also had a sense of, I'm just sick of this. And yeah. along with everybody, I think everybody was just tired and yeah. fed up and we were in the middle of a pandemic. And it's just like, there's only so much of that you can take. Yeah. And for me, it was just kind of a no-brainer to talk about it. And yeah. I think, especially because I was on this sort of tra- trajectory, I suppose, to the point I was in the media a little bit yeah. more. And I think they just saw, oh, Erica's speaking on her black experience. Like, yeah. let's just get in touch with her. And people wanted to, to do yeah. the right thing um, and listen to, you know, what we had to say. And I think that's why I take the term activist Re- I I have to take it with a pinch of salt. It's because it's never a label that I put on myself. Yeah. Um. And it can be quite. It's quite loaded. Mm-hmm. You know. It's it's not one of those things that I take lightly either. So for people to ju- put that on me straight away, I had to kind of take a step back to be like, look, I'm just another black woman speaking on a black experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as I said, they're so they're so different. Like my. Uh, black experience being a mixed race black woman I know is going to be very different to the next person yeah. who's dark skinned black or whatever so um, it, it's very different so that's why I, 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 I wanted to do it in a way that 
other voices could be amplified. Like I have black friends who don't want to have to speak on their black experience yeah. all the time. So if, and who shouldn't have to. And who shouldn't have to, you know, we're able to just exist. Yeah, you should be, be able black, to. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. we should be able to. But if it makes the next person's life easier mm-hmm. not having to speak about it mm-hmm. and if it also changes one person's mind yeah out of 10 yeah that's a job nearly almost well done i suppose can i ask you like at the time that we were kind of at the peak of these mm-hmm. conversations i feel like there were a lot of commitments being made yes. and a lot of people were saying that they needed to do better and acknowledging their own kind of failings do you feel like there has been an improvement yeah, I think there definitely has been a shift, but like like anything, like sexism, misogyny, racism are all issues that aren't going to be solved in a day. Yeah. Um, and I think I had to keep reminding myself of that, whereas yeah. I just wanted it to be this thing. Like me personally, I was like, I just want this to be over. Like, yeah. why can't we all just exist? Like, it's really not that hard <laughs> yeah. to be sound, you know? I know. Um, And then I had to check myself because I was like, Erica, like, we're trying to relearn and teach people how to treat us 400 years plus in the making. Yeah. So if it's 400 years plus in the making, it's only going to, it might not be until my children's children's yeah. children, you know, it's it's one of those things you have to just be patient with. And if you're making these changes along the way, mm. that's what it takes, mm. you know, pulling people up um, on their behaviour, etc., mm. etc. Et the list goes on. Um, so at the heart of your career, obviously, yeah. you're doing lots of things now. Um, she does a bit of modelling as well, you know, not content with all of that. Um, but, you know, at the heart of your career, obviously, is music and you yes. have a new single out. I do look like this. Yeah. And it's a lovely one. Thank you. <laughs> do you like her? I'm I just, do. I'm just so happy. I feel like I've just been having so much fun yeah. over the last, like, nine months yeah. that I was like, I want my music to reflect that. I've spent yeah. the last five months dancing. I want to be able to dance to my music. Yeah. I've, you know, we just had this like amazing stint on television with yeah. the main stage. Like I've just been surrounded by either music or dance for the yeah. last couple of months and it's really spilled through into my new music. So Great. I feel like I'm just making probably my favourite stuff. Yeah, I have so many songs and like in my pocket at the moment that I just can't wait to release that well, like 2023 that's the year that is brilliant news because yes. I know people can't wait to hear them and I thank I you so much for chatting to me thank Erica you for me. you're so good <laughs> <laughs> how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I couldn't be happier to be with Keen Sullivan and James O'Hagan, who are, of course, the hosts of Sissy That Pod and also Queer Classified. Mm-hmm. How many other podcasts are you going to pull out I mean, here? How many do you want? How many do you want? We're, we're, we're in the fringe this year as well. Yeah, That's me a new too. thing. Oh, my fringe catch up. We love it. Yeah. Tell me about your fringe show. What's the story? Yeah, so basically, for people who watch Drag Race, it's going to be a Irish improvised drag version of Snatch Game. Oh my god! So we did we did like a mock version over COVID on YouTube, but basically it's going to be four nights. Drag queens, stand up improvisers, cabaret performers are going to be doing their best celebrity impersonations, making us laugh. And it's Smock Alley at nine PM, so you know come along and yeah. then head up just to Street Sixty Six. You'll have a great time. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and for people who don't know what Snatch Game is, it's basically kind of blankety blank, except where the celebrity panel are going to be celebrity impersonations. It's so it's called Clankety Clank, you know. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I will do my damnedest to be there. Um, yeah, I actually, I keep every week, I keep forgetting to mention this. So it's good that this is coming up in case I forget again that mm. I'm, I'm doing uh, the live version of this podcast oh, super. as part of the Fringe. Yeah. Oh my God, that will be exciting. exciting. Will that be your, like your first live? Kind yeah. Of, oh, that'll be very exciting. Yeah. The, the nerves coming up to doing something like that are always like kind of like tipping away. But then the second it starts, it's like, this is amazing. I <laughs> yeah, love it. I love doing that stuff. I just, um, it's because it's the first time. It's kind of like, mm. you know, how's it going to go? But anyway, sure. Look. And our tickets on sale now? Tickets are on sale now. Are oh, your tickets on t- sale t- now? Tickets are on sale now. Super. Okay, well, let's get into it. We've got lots of celeb stuff to talk about this week. And the minute I asked you guys if you would join me this week, you said, are we going to be talking about Kevin Federline and Britney? Yeah. Um, and of course, we have to, um, because K-Fed speaks. Yeah, so obviously um, he decided the time was right to crawl out from under whatever bridge he lives in that Britney's paying for to have his say about basically the way she's choosing to live her life. So as part of an interview that he's doing with, I don't know whether the it's Daily the Daily Mail, Mail or ITV, it seems to be some okay. sort of collaboration of, of both of them. Uh, he wanted to speak about what it's like to be a father in the spotlight, but has used the opportunity to throw an enormous amount of shade at Britney for the way she's choosing to present herself on Instagram claiming that her children do not want to be seen with her that they didn't want to attend her wedding and also to make overtures to the fact that he believes that actually poor old Jamie Spears the evil man that had her held in the, the castle without any way to get out for the last 14 years has been put through the ringer and really deserves better so all in all I don't know what he was thinking yeah it's such a weird kind of position to take and so unpleasant like I just think there's never any excuse, in my opinion, to be talking about your children 
like for your children when you're talking about a custody kind of dispute. Mm-hmm. I and I, I think that like so we'll obviously be ta- touching on another situation where you have parents at war later on in the entertainment section. And I think it's interesting to look at the way the media has responded to this story with Britney versus that story with Kanye. Where Kanye kind of gets a free mm. pass, always just a bit, you know, he's just a bit of a goofball. This is just him. Whereas with her, there's such an amount of slut shaming and a media that has kind of you know done its best to pretend it's become a bit more woke, a bit more open to women owning their own bodies and their own sexuality has just been so eager to jump back into full-on shame mode behind the sort of guise of saying oh yeah the children will be uncomfortable to see that mm. and it's like you know we're living in a world now where sex work is a perfectly valid form of work people are make people with families are, are making a living a very generous living and a good living off of things like only fans mm-hmm. so like we, we should have moved past the point where kind of a woman choosing to share her body on the in, on the internet is sort of something that can call into question whether or not she's a good mother. Now I will say I wish she would get a better photographer or like just some styling or something going on. I've no issue whatsoever <laughs> with her showing her body. That's absolutely fine with me. However, I do feel like she could do better. In- but also, I would agree. Stylistically. Yeah. Her kids are so Sean Preston's 16, Jaden James is 15. Any teenager is going to be embarrassed by their mum being naked. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just the nature of teenagers. When you grow up and you start to see your parents in a light that isn't parenthood, it's always jarring, they find it strange. But just because these teenagers find it embarrassing doesn't mean it's wrong. Like, you know, and if they do, also they've been given to Kevin Federline since the start of the conservatorship. So he's had however many years to poison them against Britney. Mm. And nothing else to do by any stage. Exactly. He doesn't even have a he, job. He got according to Sam. I legend he got 20, <laughs> 20 grand a month to look after them. So of course he's kicking up fuss now that he wants them back un- under the conservatorship because as Sam Ashgari said, his gravy chain is running out. Yeah. I love, I absolutely live for Sam Ashgari. Um, defending Britney in the way that he does. Do you think it was appropriate? (sighs) Like, I kind of just feel like support her in real life. You don't need to take to Instagram. Yeah, I know what you mean. It did feel, it did feel a bit performative, but like, I still... I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> I know. I think it's a, it's good to see her have someone that will like come out swinging for her and will mm. like really like have her you know what seems to be her best interest at heart. I mean, you know, there's questions to be asked about like where Sam came from, how he managed to to get through the net of the conservatorship to start forming his relationship. So there's a whole weird question there about like him anyway. But at this moment, he seems really like he has her best interest at heart. They seem like they're really in love. I do think that kind of bringing the children into it in any capacity is. Uh, and even the parenting techniques in any capacity is sort of a negative thing to do Mm. for children who are clearly going to be a bit sort of weirded out by all of this attention because like you know we make light of the fact that he hasn't had a job but like rearing a family and raising children is a job he's been getting 20 to 60 grand a year to do it so he's probably got plenty of help 20 grand a month or 20 grand 20 grand but he didn't he get didn't he get go back to the court a while ago he wanted 60 grand extra a month oh my god but anyway like you know there is work in in how are the rest of us surviving A quarter million a year to look after your kids. Honestly. Anyone would take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on because as you mentioned, there is, of course, another another couple who continue to be in the news for tension. And it has to be said, it's, it's one-sided. There's one person in this relationship who is causing problems. And of course, I'm talking about Kim and Kanye because there was loads of stuff around them this week, um, which started with the fact that Kim and Pete 
broke up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. So uh, Kanye West... All, and we both looked to Kim. <laughs> <laughs> the non-Kardashian watcher. Yeah, I had to call my friend Sammy for a cheat sheet on this. But no, I, I follow the Kanye stuff more just because I was a fan of his music. But yeah, he recently posted on Instagram a, I mean, very polished tile by some good graphic designer who put this together of a picture of the folded-up New York Times with the title, Skeet Davison is Dead. There's a little dig at Kid Cudi at the, at, the, at the bottom of the page as well about a poor performance he had recently. And it's just a continuation of Kanye's constant sort of trolling of Pete and Kim and their relationship ever since he released that video several months ago where mm. he decapitated Pete, this sort of like a waxwork version of Pete. Mm. Um, and like, okay, there is that narrative around Kanye that he's suffering from bipolar and other mental health issues, but to a certain degree... You know, he still has to take responsibility for yeah. what he's doing. He obviously has <clears throat> nobody around him who's encouraging him to make good choices. And although you can have sympathy for a man who's clearly spinning out mentally, that doesn't excuse the bullying that he's doing. Yeah. No, uh, you can have mental health problems and not be an arsehole. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, like, you know, you don't have to look much further than this here's Love Island to see places where, sadly, sometimes mental health gets used as a kind of a coverall for yeah. any form of behaviour. And... Manjax was also a bully as well, so it's, it's a exactly. nice analogy. <laughs> but, but I think, like, the... The choice to do this just, it really feels like as if, again, he doesn't have anyone, like, advising him uh, on, like, what is appropriate or kind of, like, trying to, like, teach him what he should be doing in the mm. situation. He should have left it alone. Like, this was obviously a publicity relationship between, uh, it may or may not have well, been a publicity we, relationship between. As the biggest between... Kardashian fan, do you believe Kim and Pete were real? I actually do. <laughs> okay. I actually, I actually do. I thought it was, like, this is, you know, I, I was, like, real in that Kim was, like, I've had a very intense last while. I'm going to get myself a manic pixie dream boy. Yes. And I'm going to just like enjoy a couple of months that the timing of this relationship ending could have come sort of at any convenient space for the Kardashians that there was a number of things they needed to cover up this weekend and I think they pulled out the big guns in order to so my conspiracy theory and all of the timing of the end of this Pete and Kim thing and the announcement of the the Tristan Chloe surrogacy is that both of them were strategically placed on the Friday afternoon so as nobody would be talking about Travis Scott's return and the the afterworld thing and that story wouldn't come bubbling back up again. Because in reality, over an immaculate run of Kardashian sort of media empire ownership over like decades at this point, that Astroworld thing is the one where there is the real kind of like... Yeah, you darkness. Know, darkness. <laughs> yeah. And so I think both of these stories were placed there because they didn't want people talking about Travis Scott making a comeback. Well, look, I mean, as we all know, the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that all of this was carefully orchestrated. But I actually missed what what's going on with Travis. He's ba- he, he did his so, first live performance in Astro World. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And that's why Kylie had Stormy there. Mm, exactly. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Okay, I didn't realize that was his first gig back. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. That makes perfect sense to me. And of course, you do, as you mentioned there, uh, Chloe and Tristan had their, their son via surrogacy and um, we've no real information other than that. No. We'll and have to wait till <laughs> September 2022 to... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to I'm, just, I'm just very dubious about the whole relationship. Like, I just feel if I had a friend, a 40-year-old mother of four who has a full-time independent business and is putting herself through law career whose long-term marriage has just fallen down turns to me and goes I'm with a 28-year-old tattooed comedian I'd be like this is a cry for help. I'd be like get your life girl. I'd be like 
like absolutely get out there have I mean, fun like he he's on the up and up as well and he's benefiting to a huge extent oh, by by all by all accounts like Chris Jenner has taken him under her wing as well and is helping him get like yeah. sponsorship deals with the likes of H&M mm. and, and has like given him a certain amount of credibility to start as he makes like that launch pad away from SNL yeah. so like I I absolutely believe that when in this statement that was released about the relationship it said that like we've got so much love and respect for yeah. each other we really wish each other well we're just going to be friends I think it actually was just a thing of like well this relationship has ran its course it was fun but we're not going to yeah, damage I think the friendship that we or damage the business partnership that yeah. we may have and I absolutely think that too I mean I think I didn't ever think that they were going to get married <laughs> I don't even believe that they've had sex do you not? No. Oh, oh I do. I mean, I this do. is a purely business transaction. No. Oh, no. No, because I think Kim was like, I'm going to have some fun. And as she said in the show, so you, you haven't watched watch the show. The show so <laughs> but in the show, she was like, I did SNL. Like, he was really funny. We kissed in a sketch. And I was like, oh, actually, there's something there. Mm. She's like, I've heard. She literally said, I've heard about this big BDE, this yeah. big dick energy. She's like, maybe I should just <laughs> see. And she kind of basically said, like, it's really fun. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I, I think I, it was real. I, I, more informed than me, I suppose. I, so. I think she really needed that because I mean, I like I find like Kanye is such an overbearing uh, energy, yeah. and when he was with Kim, he stripped away so much of the humor, so much mm. of the kind of just like goofiness, so much of the kind of sense of fun that she does really have. Like she's always had since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Part of like I think why people attach themselves so much to the Kardashians was their ability to kind of laugh at the ridiculous, ridiculousness of themselves, ridiculousness mm-hmm. of themselves right from the very beginning, and, and Kanye. Kanye can't do that no, because he, he needs can't. to be so serious yeah. and I think that like this was her like he is in a way Pete Davidson is like the perfect opposite to Kanye he completely takes himself absolutely like mm. in no way seriously and is just yeah. there to have fun yeah well yeah. the gossip columnist Dumois has said that apparently season two was very light on content so they had to ship Kim and Pete off to Australia for another round just to get content and stuff so I feel he was he was primarily there because I don't know, I might even watch to see what he's like. Because we don't yeah. have a fly in the wall view of what his life is like. And what better for him on the Kardashians? Yeah, like, I'll be honest, when I heard that they'd broken up, my first thought was, oh no, don't edit him out of season two. Yeah. Like, I really want to see that. I mm. want to see them together. Like, there's this tiny clip that they've released of, like, Chloe and Pete are talking. And Kim comes out of, like, they're in it, like, a hotel suite. And she comes out of the bedroom, like, unzipping her dress. And she's like, babe, do you want to come have a shower real quick? And he, like comedically like throws his phone across the room and like runs in and I'm like I want to see that like give me more of that so hopefully they'll they'll leave it in and okay now in really sad news Mm. Olivia Newton-John passed away this week yeah so Dame Olivia Newton-John queen herself uh passed away unfortunately she was suffering from her third cancer diagnosis this time cancer at the base of the spine and she passed away in her U.S. ranch, surrounded by her family, and her her husband confirmed the news there this week. So yeah, it's really really sad. It's been really interesting. Like what's what's seen what's been apparent. I think is how universally loved she was. Mm. And that's what I was just going to say. Is that there just there literally has not been a single snide comment or you know kind of like raised eyebrow about like passing. Like she just seems to have been this ray of light mm. in the industry and just so like universally loved by everyone mm. from Greece fans to people who remember her music mm-hmm. to people who really only ever maybe even knew her as kind of like that the caring older woman 
that she presented speaking about her own lived experience. A beautiful person, and it's you know tragic. Seventy three, you know it it. it it's amazing to think that probably like 10 years ago I would have been like oh, that's a grand t- like, yeah. 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 I'm like that is so young <clears throat> yeah she had she had years ahead of her and yeah. she's kind of like she's interesting career wise because she well born in England grew up in Australia but it's kind of like the inverse of Kylie where she was a lot bigger in the US than she was in the UK mm. so like, she broke through in 1971 in the UK uh, she had her first like US number one with If Not For You but then she went on to represent UK in the Eurovision oh. in 1974 she came forth to a small little fourth piece called ABBA in the same year in Brighton uh, and then that, that kind of like brought her this side of the pond as well so she had like a slew of fits leading her up to um, Greece and then like after Greece she kind of like embraced her more sexy side with physical and everything yeah, but at that sure. point she was in like her mid 30s so it was like kind of almost like what Beyonce is doing now which is like really embracing her sexuality in her 30s which isn't allowed for a lot of female musicians so great to see you go Olivia or IP Mm -hmm. Um, now we have to mention Niall Horn and Louis Capaldi's charm offensive on both Dublin and Mullingar over the past week I mean you know like Mullingar got that like they obviously got the call to be like you've got the flat (laughs) and the first phone call they made was like we need Niall Horn here we need Niall Horn now and he said come on Lewis get in we're going busking uh, yeah I mean cute little uh, videos coming from all over Dublin or was it up in Grafton Street where they were busking mm-hmm. last week before they headed down to Mullingar for the FLA um, just like I, I saw people tweeting online that they didn't recognise Lewis Capaldi so they just thought that this was just some randomer who was like you know stepping in beside Niall Horan I mean I, we love we love an Irish guy done well and I feel like Niall Horan is really representing us well he mm. looks so rich oh doesn't he <laughs> doesn't doesn't he? Uh, he just drips of yeah. money. Yeah. He, he has a clever way of presenting, which is, I'm wealthy, but I don't have notions. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, that's a really, it's a really niche spot to pull off. Yeah. He just looks great. And then Louis Capaldi is the total contrast, which I also love. Mm. Like Louis Capaldi, you know, I suppose Ed Sheeran invented it. They're like, I'm not making any effort kind of look. But mm. like yeah. with, with. I don't know. I, it offends me less with Lewis Capaldi for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's much less manicured than it is with Ed, with, with Ed Sheeran. Like, you know, Lewis Capaldi just, like, he genuinely looks like this is, I just got up out of bed and I'm coming out to do this and I'm yeah. here because I really want to be. Uh, he, he has he has a lovely warmth about him as well. Yeah. And the two of them together interacted really nicely and that it felt like as if they're obviously great friends. Yeah. They love performing for a crowd. Yeah. They wanted to be part of it. It was... Well, I thought, like, because Lewis sang Niall's song, Slow Hans, uh, with, when they were with that busker on Grafton Street and mm. he knew like up yeah. till a point he knew all of the like he knew the the verses he knew the, yeah. you know yeah. I would I would have been like slow hands <laughs> but he knew it so there he's a fan obviously he hasn't thought of Lewis Capaldi in ages he hasn't had new music out in a while no he was supposed to he did a gig recently you know he's hilarious yeah. and he mm. did a gig recently where he came out and he said I was supposed to have a whole new album mm. to sing for you at this gig when it was booked but I'm really lazy and the album's not ready so I mean that seems to I be would, I would embrace him going the way of Michelle McManus and just going into stand-up because I feel like that's how I invest him more as a pop star as just yeah. this like really funny enjoyable yeah. personality yeah I agree Yeah, no, but absolutely. I mean he does have a great singing voice he does music he does isn't really for me some but beautiful like, some beautiful songs yeah you know? and people song. absolutely love his music yeah. Yeah. fair play to them some beautiful songs <laughs> 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 
Um, oh god. The good news um, is that they had a camera crew with them, and I think it was apparently it was for TG Cars, the oh, program cool. that TG Cars are making, which is brilliant for That'd them and for us 100%. and for everyone. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Um, okay, before we go, Kian, you wanted to talk about the Victoria's Secret documentary series, um, which you watched this week, and I, I will be honest, I didn't manage to get through all three episodes, but I watched a good bit of it. James, did you? Yeah, I watched. I watched the three episodes of it. I was having Kian a quick chat about this yesterday. Mm. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I have, I have feelings. I think it's. I went, like, when I first. recommended, I was two episodes in. The third episode did disappoint, but basically, I guess I'm really invested in the Jeffrey Epstein story. Uh-huh. I think it's it's a remarkable story in shedding the light of how toxic the billionaires of the world are, yeah. and I'd like. Between him and Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah. So Angels and Demons, it's like a Victoria's Secret story. Basically, the owner of Victoria's Secret, Les Wexner, is best buddies with um, Jeffrey Epstein. Seems to be going back even to like the late 80s, early 90s. Such a weird relationship as well. <clears throat> yeah, he like gave is. him power of attorney really well, early in their relationship. Yeah. Gave Jeffrey Epstein power of attorney. Yeah, well, Jeffrey, there's, there's a really, for people who like the Jeffrey Epstein story who haven't heard of it, there's a great podcast. It feels with, weird to say like the Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> people who are interested. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. like, if you're interested in, there's a really good podcast called Ghislaine and Me. It's at Audible Exclusive. Mm. And it's this British journalist who used to, know Ghislaine Maxwell and was had to write an article for Vanity Fair on how Jeffrey Epstein got his money and interviewed him and has big transcripts of the interviews that she has with him and she goes really deep on on how he kind of got to where he was financially Mm. uh, which is really interesting and Les Wexter is a huge part of the story in terms of how he it's kind of did he swindle his way into becoming a power of attorney were they actually good friends Mm. Um, so it touches on that but it also touches on the growth of Victoria's Secret in terms of a brand, how it became everywhere, how they used the angels as this great marketing technique. And yeah. then over the years, how they became out of touch. They didn't mm. adapt with the time, similar to the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary yeah. that we were talking yeah. about as well, the white hot one. And how then they just really became kind of old fashioned really, really quickly by yeah. not adapting to body diversity. and yeah. of this it, it was really interesting to me because it seemed to me like I remember in one of the, the early meetings, they were one of the people who was who was speaking who had worked in Victoria's Secret was saying that like you know everyone in those big meetings where decisions were being made were men yeah and I think there has been a real turning point in terms of women and women's identity and women's existence and women's expectations about their place in the world yes that Les Wexler Wexler Wexner Wexner excuse me wasn't able to click into so it was fine as long as women were all about the male gaze and about being super uh, yeah. hot and sexy. Mm. Like he and his men obviously were experts on how to be super hot and sexy for men. And um, but then as soon as women started to kind of embrace their own identity and focus more on, you know, who they wanted to be for themselves or even for other women, you know, I think that's when things got a bit tricky for them. Yeah, I, I mean that that I think that's that's exactly it. Is is that the the whole so Les Wexner basically invented mall shopping. He created this idea of kind of fast fashion. Yeah, I didn't realize how many brands he had. Like, as a teenager (laughs) who grew up in America, let me tell you, the Limited, Express, like, um, Lane Bryant, like, all of these stores are huge. Like, they were in every mall in America. And he, like, he was, he was turning them over so fast. And to be able to, he created this sort of want and need to be presenting this sort of, like, image of yourself. And with Victoria's Secret, he devised and developed, and a boardroom full of men devised and developed this idea of what a perfect woman is and what a perfect woman should want. And for, I think, a long period of time, women bought into that. And mm-hmm. I think the, the the interesting part of this documentary for me, 
like the, the, I didn't love this documentary as much um, because I think it focused too much on the Epstein stuff. I was like, give us a separate Epstein Wexner documentary, but mm. let's just talk about the angels here. It, it was that once women started being like, well, actually, no, why should I have to have these expectations? Why mm. should it be that I should have this group of men telling me how my body is or what mm. my body should look like? It was that sort of really just quickly made like they they talk about Savage Fenton and Rihanna mm-hmm. and this creation of you know just loving your own body for what it is and celebrating yourself and how they just weren't able to react to that so I would have liked to have seen more about mm. more about the angels and how it, it, it is that pleasing the male gaze mm. was what people wanted for such a long time and the change away from that yeah. well I think it's really funny as well that like you know we know that Victoria's Secret is stalling in a major way um, and still they're not making changes. <laughs> like, yeah, no. You know, I just watched Michaela Noguera, who's this like absolutely enormous TikTok beauty person. And she's been uh, speaking really honestly. She started actually a whole different TikTok just to talk about this stuff, about the fact that she's she has an eating disorder and she has put on a lot of weight and she's trying to be at peace with that. And um, she she did a TikTok where she said, well, I today I found out I'm no longer welcome in Victoria's Secret. She said, I went in to be resized because I my body has changed and none of my fit me anymore and they have nothing for me and there were just countless women in the replies mm. and like I have never bought a brand Victoria's Secret because my boobs have never even yeah. when I was a teenager have never been able to fit into anything that they sell and and the fact that that's I assumed things had improved and I think they have marginally but yeah. like the fact that you've still got someone like you know Michaela with her enormous platform well, saying the, well, yeah. then, documentary implies they've only really improved marketing yes. places they yeah. just coloured up their marketing campaign that's yeah. pretty much it they use the earth tones yeah. but I guess to, <clears throat> to tie back to Epstein briefly uh, as far back as 1993 he was trying to get young girls under the guise that he was a Victoria Agency uh, scout so it just goes to show how how long this horrible horrible behaviour has been going on and was let happen I was um, I watched another documentary series recently that was it's on Sky um, oh, Scouting for Girls it's called and it's oh, yeah. about the modelling industry mm. um, and similar kind of carry on in mm. the modelling industry and it I, it I was watching it and I was watching the Victoria's Secret documentary and I was wondering I hope I, not I was wondering I hope I hope mm. that things are different now that if someone was put into a position a young you know a young woman that they would know that people will believe them that it's not appropriate mm. that it's not okay I hope but then yeah. when you put power into the mix mm. it just messes everything up I, I, and I do think as well it's like there's so much of this has been publicized in so many documentaries were made sort of talking about how unacceptable this is and it's like well I do feel like a lot of times they're just going to be speaking to people like us and that there's yeah. a whole like if you're coming from a background of poverty or if you're coming from from like a, a particularly hard life and you get yeah. offered an op- you get offered an opportunity that could potentially transform that yeah are you going to feel as if you can bite the hand that feeds you? Yeah. When you should totally be entitled to be like, well, yeah. what, at what cost? You're right. And also, so much of it comes down to what's been modeled for you in terms of relationships and relationship dynamics. Yeah. And if you've grown up in a family or a community where um, the dynamics are toxic, then if you are in a toxic situation, that's going to seem familiar and normal to you. Yeah. Yeah. The documentary is on Paramount Plus, anyway, for anyone who wants yeah. to hear it. I think James's mm. critique is fair. It is kind of like half Victoria's Secrets, half Epstein. Yeah. But if yeah. you're interested by this conversation, I want my full on. Worth watching. I, I want my full on um, Victoria's Secrets. Giselle Bunch and Giselle Bunch and Fantasy. You know, <laughs> and I mean, are we going to move to the cancellation of Victoria's Secret, the drag queen? Now, come on, change that name, girl. Change that name, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kian O'Sullivan. Kian, did I? It's Kian Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, when I said it there, I was like, that's not his name. Thank you so much, Kian Sullivan, James O'Hagan. Um, 
people can check you out obviously Sissy That Pod Queer Classified and go and see them in the fringe yeah clankety clank see you there come along just about time for me to go but before I do I do have a couple of recommendations for you um I didn't have a lot of time for consuming culture this week however I did uh I was getting tattooed the other day and I wanted something I could kind of half watch and that I didn't have to pay much attention to and so I went back and started watching Southern Charm again from the uh, very beginning if you're a Housewives fan if you have Hey You it's on there it is an absolutely bonkers show and Honestly, when you watch from season one again, it's problematic in so many ways, but it is wildly entertaining. It's set in Charleston, South Carolina. It is, the first season is primarily just like wealthy white people. Um, and, And it's very interesting actually to see the kind of lingering, as I said, problematic elements to life in um, places like Charleston, South Carolina, in terms of where they've come from plantations to, um, oh, I don't even know, you know, the moneyed classes. Um, it's, it's interesting from that perspective, but it's also total trash and wonderful. So easy to watch. Uh, watch these people make terrible mistakes, treat each other really badly. It's, it's all the stuff we know and love from reality television. Um, so that's Southern Charm. It's on Hey You. Um, other than that, I wanted to, I can't remember if I recommended the Muna album. I'm obsessed with Muna. They make the best music. They're signed to Phoebe Bridger's label. Um, if I have mentioned them before, please forgive me. I just love them so much. And this week I watched a live stream of one of their gigs in uh, Minneapolis and it was so good. And it got me straight back into the album again, even though it only came out a few weeks ago, but I had taken a quick break for Beyonce and for Maggie Rogers, both of I really am enjoying both of their albums. Um, but yeah, Muna, their album is called Muna, M-U-N-A. Can't recommend it enough. Beautiful songs, great pop songs, just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So there you go. I will be back with you next Friday. I hope you have a lovely week in the meantime. And at the very least, I hope you manage to put one foot in front of the other and take care of yourself. I'll talk to you then. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts.
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.